So as Pastor Jim said, anger is not usually something that we talk about in general, but especially in worship. The top things that tend to come to mind when we think about anger might be terrorists, mass shootings, maybe a Disney villain. Those might be some extreme examples of anger, but it's important to acknowledge that anger is a natural emotion that we probably experience more often than we give it credit for. It might be a little bit taboo, so we might hide it just a little bit, but all people experience it. It doesn't have to be a Hulk smash kind of anger. It can be feeling a little impatient or stressed, frustrated, or even a little defensive can have some anger in there. Anger can come out as aggressive. It can come out as passive aggressive, but it can also come out as just plain passive. All three of those can be dangerous places to hold anger for a long time, much like it's dangerous to open up that pop can in the middle of it being shaken up. So our first scripture reading showed us the idea of the ability to have faithful anger, to be angry but to not sin, to have anger that doesn't cause us to do harm to God's creation or God's people. It doesn't make us sin against other folks. And that's kind of the goal for how we can process anger in a holy way that can help move us back towards wholeness. As United Methodists, we acknowledge that we are on a journey towards perfection and that we'll fall short of that. And we give thanks for Christ that fills in those gaps where we can't. We also believe that God is a God of justice and righteousness, which we'll hear in this psalm. We strongly believe that God hears the cries of the oppressed and the persecuted that often is connected to anger. We also believe that we're called to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. So in this psalm, David is calling on God for a few things that I want us to listen for. He asks God to help defend against the enemies, to fight those who are fighting against him, and to take up his cause and deliver him from the adversaries. But just who are these enemies? It's important to note that these aren't folks that David just doesn't agree with or doesn't like. God doesn't take sides in basic divisions like our favorite church or our politics or even our favorite basketball teams. He didn't pick a shade of blue this week, even though we might hope that he did. The enemies in our psalm are people that are truly wicked and deceitful that didn't have regard for justice or righteousness, that had tried to trap David and accused him falsely. So David, after being persecuted in his anger and distress, turns to God and asks for help. He also declares faithfulness, and we'll see that same back and forth pattern that we have seen in the Psalms before. So it's important for us to acknowledge this prayer and that we believe that the act of prayer can change things. That prayer can and will bring about justice and righteousness in the world. And that we are called to pray for those who are oppressed and against those that cause that harm. 
So let's join David in prayer with our Psalm 35. Lord, argue with those who argue with me. Fight with those who fight against me. Grab a shield and armor and stand up and help me. Use your spear and axe against those who are out to get me. Say to me, I am your salvation. Let those who want me dead be humiliated and put to shame. Let those who intend to hurt me be thoroughly frustrated and disgraced. Let them be like dust in the wind, and let the Lord's messenger be the one who does the blowing. Let their path be dark and slippery, and let the Lord's messenger be the one who does the chasing. Because they hid their net against me for no reason, they dug a pit for me for no reason. Let disaster come to them when they don't suspect it. Let the net that they hid catch them instead. Let them fall into their own disaster. But I will rejoice in the Lord. I will celebrate his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who could compare to you? You rescue the weak from those who overpower them. You rescue the needy from those who plunder them. Violent witnesses stand up. They question me about things that I know nothing about. They pay me back evil for good, leaving me stricken with grief. But when they were sick, I wore clothes for grieving, and I kept a fast. When my prayer came back unanswered, I wander around like I was a grieving friend or brother. I was weighed down and sad like a mother in mourning. But when I stumbled, they celebrated. They gathered and together against me. Strangers I didn't know tore me to pieces and wouldn't quit. They ridiculed me over and over again, like godless people would do, grinding their teeth at me. How long, O oh Lord, will you watch this happen? Rescue me from their attacks. Rescue my precious life from these predatory lions. Then I will thank you in the great assembly. I will praise you in a huge crowd of people. Don't let those who are my enemies without cause celebrate over me. Don't let those who hate me for no reason wink at my demise. They don't speak the truth. Instead, they plot false accusations against innocent people in the land. They speak out against me. But you've seen it too, Lord. Don't keep quiet about it. Please don't be far from me, my Lord. Wake up. Get up and do justice for me. Argue my case, my Lord and my God. Establish justice for me according to your righteousness, Lord my God. Don't let them celebrate over me. Don't let them say to themselves, yes, that's exactly what we wanted. Don't let them say that they ate me up. Let all those who celebrate my misfortune be disgraced and put to shame. Let all those who exalt themselves over me be dressed up in shame and dishonor. But let those who want things to be set right for me shout for joy and celebrate. Let them constantly say the Lord is great. The Lord wants his servant to be at peace. Then my tongue will talk all about your righteousness and praise you all day long. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So that was a long and up and down prayer, right? How many of y'all had heard that read in church before? Only very few, right? It's not our usual topic. 
but it's important because many of us have had these sorts of conversations with God. Maybe while we're driving, maybe while we're alone in a room in some despair. But this is the kind of prayers that God welcomes, knowing that anger is normal and natural, and that just like that soda can, it's better to open it in a safe space. And we know that God can handle all of our emotions. Eleanor Roosevelt wrote a poem and is often quoted a big quote about anger that says, anger is just one letter short of danger. It's an emotion that can cause big emotions. And the danger in anger is how it's communicable. We pass it on to others. When we give our anger to others at others, we pass it along because they get defensive and get angry and hurt back and harm begets harm. Even when we're angry at something else and we just rant, that anger gets passed on because often those that we rant at about something else will take our side and the anger just continues to grow. As humans try to resolve anger, we kind of tend to make a mess out of it. The good news is that God can handle our anger and can help us to transform it. Now, as I said, it doesn't have to be a Disney villain Hulk level of anger because in research from Harvard on the top reasons that people get angry was pretty interesting and not quite the order that I would have expected. So in order of what folks reported, number one reason people get angry, traffic. <laughs> Two, technology failings and mishaps. That's a 2023 answer, right? Um, waiting in line and customer service, work, stress, personal relationships, household chores, and sports. So it's fun to poke at the anger because it makes it a little easier to talk about. But when we hold anger close, research has also found it contributes to a lot of health issues. It leads to everything from headaches, weakened immune system, to heart attacks, stroke, and has even been linked to early death. So that's why it's important to talk about how we can best handle it. So if you've ever been in a situation where someone has wronged you, as most of us raised our hand during that children's sermon, having that deep sense of anger is natural. But holding on to it and letting it consume us leads us down a path of bitterness and resentment that doesn't fulfill the models that we've gotten in Scripture in either of our readings. Now, two important notes on anger before we get a little bit too far. The first one is anger can add that D to it and get dangerous. So as I'm talking about anger, it is not talking about anger situations where someone is in danger, where there's abuse. In those situations, safety is always the most important thing, and turning it over in prayer comes after we make sure that everyone is okay, and that's important. The other important sort of ground rule about anger is when we have anger that is indirect or directed at people that we create as enemies, 
through things like racism, sexism, or nationalism, that is not holy anger either. God is always on the side of someone who is oppressed, as we heard in the psalm. We were looking at enemies that had actually done harm, not simply folks that we didn't look like or didn't agree with. Those two things are just important to hold in this conversation. So as Ephesians says, in your anger, do not sin. It tells us that anger is not a sin in and of itself. In fact, we see some biblical models where Jesus gets a little angry as well, but we're called to do something different about it. We can follow David's example in going to God in prayer when we're angry and ask God to help us to process things and to move us towards reconciliation. Going along with the beverage theme, and the fun thing is, Pastor Jim and I don't coordinate these, the Holy Spirit does. I have a water bottle because I didn't have a soda bottle. But more often than not, the good Christian thing to do when we're angry is to kind of hide it, right? No one needs to know that I'm angry. I'll just keep it here, keep it passive, keep it secret. But the problem is nothing can get fixed when it's hidden. When we don't tell people that we're hurt, it just stays here. And it stops us from doing some of what we need to do. Then, sometimes we'll let it be out there, but we hold it. And right now, it's not too hard to hold this water bottle. But if I hold it for hours, days, years, it gets heavy, and it does harm. Eventually, I'd rip something in my arm if I held this, just like we end up with health issues when we hold on to the anger time and time again. So our goal isn't the other option, which would be to throw it at someone, right? That's another way to deal with our anger, to lash out. But our goal is to set it down, to give it to God, and to open it up when it's safe to do so, where the soda won't explode everywhere. So handling our anger in a way that honors God means that we transform it into something else. Brene Brown has done a lot of great research around emotions and wanted to share this quote from her about anger. Anger is a catalyst. Holding on to it will make us exhausted and sick. Internalizing it will take away our joy and our spirit. Externalizing it will make our attempts for connection less effective. It's an emotion that we need to transform into something that gives life, which can be courage, love, change, compassion, or justice. At its core, anger is an indicator light. It lets us know that we care about something. No one has ever gotten angry about something they didn't care about. But it's through prayer that we figure out what we care about and if our love for whatever that is, is a righteous and holy love too. If I'm angry about how my friend is being treated, it shows my love for my friend. If I'm angry about how someone else is driving in my way at traffic, it shows my love for myself. Now, loving our friend and loving ourselves are both important. After all, we're called to love our neighbor as ourself. But putting ourselves unnecessarily above others without compassion or mercy 
or putting ourselves above those in need without justice and action causes our anger to kind of be a waste and to create a mess. So it's our job to take that anger, to open it up, and to give it over to God. To pray for the wisdom and discernment to say, is this anger moving me towards justice, mercy, compassion, love, and ask for the strength to show the light of Christ in the midst of the anger. Now again, this doesn't always happen in an hour or in a day or even sometimes in a year. But being on this journey, being in conversation with God, with others who can help speak light into your life matters. It's also important to acknowledge that sometimes our anger is directed at God. Sometimes our anger is because something happened that we didn't expect, because of something happened that we didn't control. And God can handle our anger. It's important to acknowledge that God doesn't give us bad things. Bad things come from the fall and evil, but God is there with us. God is the first to cry when bad things happen. And God is the first to hear us when we're angry. So in this way, by being in those conversations with God, we can be transformed to help transform the world. As United Methodists, that's actually part of our mission statement, to make disciples to transform the world. And as disciples, we are a place, we are a people who are called to be a place for safety, to help others process their anger, to be maybe a listening ear for a coworker, and to maybe nudge them in the direction of compassion or connection, to help transform that anger into something useful, whether it's courage, love, compassion, or justice. All of that is important. Each week, we pray the Lord's Prayer here, and we pray Forgive us as we forgive those. And so with Christ's forgiveness and generosity towards us, that is a way that spurs us as disciples to continue that pay-it-forward chain of forgiveness. It's never an easy journey. That's part of why we've been encouraging small groups to lean in to this theme and to lean into doing life together for all of these big emotions, because it's hard to do this alone. But even if you're not in a group or don't feel like you have an ear, our God is always there to listen to us and to welcome us and to help transform us through the power of prayer. Amen.